This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hi there, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. This is new season, so I decided to start new instead of my hello, everyone. Anyway, it's still Nico, and I'm still joined by Sam. And uh, this is the first episode on our season on the human body. Um, the first book that we decided to read was James Hamblin's If Only Our Bodies Could Talk, or If Our Bodies Could Talk. Um, and so the author, James Hamblin, he's a doctor turned journalist. Um, and in 2014, he launched a series, which was also called If Our Bodies Could Talk for the Atlantic. Um, and there he tried to answer in an entertaining and accessible way uh, some of the big questions that people ask about their bodies and their health. And so he explores the human stories behind health questions that seem to never go away. And they often also tend to be mischaracterized and oversimplified by marketing and news media. And so in the series, but more specifically in the book, he covers topics like diet, sleep, aging, and he answers questions like, can I boost my immune system? Does caffeine makes me live longer? How much sleep do I actually need? Is there any harm in taking multivitamins and many other questions? Um, and so in considering these questions, Hamlin draws from his own medical training as well uh, from hundreds of interviews with distinguished scientists and medical practitioners. And in, uh, he tries to translate his findings into very accessible, engaging, and socially contextualized uh, answers. So Sam, what did you think of the book? I like the book. I was, I get annoyed when the title is sort of different because I no point felt like it was the body talking. No, um, I agree. Just, agreed. yeah, if I could understand what my body does, that would be fine as a title or like mm. <laughs> something. It's just, I just was expecting some anthropomorphism, like my body is telling me stuff and it isn't, that, mm. that's not what the book was about, which was a bit confusing. And, mm-hmm. It was kind of entertaining, but it wasn't like funny, and mm. it, was, it was sort of interesting. But like, it sounds like it's going to be more fun. Whereas, like Bill Bryson, he looks for the, how absurd things are, and that he really makes it very amusing when you when you read his stuff. Whereas, this was like okay, it's just general interest. It was kind of like reading Wikipedia or like an encyclopedia about stuff. It's just like random little fact nuggets about your body, which was nice. I think um, maybe the order in which he told it as well. Like I found the first part a bit more boring. I think if I was reading this by myself, I would have just stopped. Um, I think it got better in the second half. Some more interesting discussions and things were in it. But it, it, was, it was fine as a book. I'm not sure I'd necessarily recommend it to that many people. In this, like, I'd, really, I'd recommend chapters to different people about certain things. Or it, it would be great as a podcast form. Like, So, okay there's a five chapters on like things about different parts of like the body and like sex sort of things. And you're like, okay, that's a cool podcast for an hour. Or there's a whole section about like surgery and plastic surgery and those two things. That's like another podcast for an hour if you're into that. But yeah, there's a whole book. It maybe didn't need to be together. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Yep. Can't, can't complain. Agreed. I feel more knowledgeable having read it now. Yeah. agree. It made me think of one of my favorite books when I was young. His book is called, boys and science 
um, but I don't think it exists in English. It was uh, written in Dutch. It was from a radio show where like uh, two radio presenters with uh, very entertaining personalities, like started a radio show, but yeah, like you talked about on the podcast and they would like um, have one question and they would start calling experts and just try to get the answer. And they talked about like, it's all, it's all scientific, but they asked questions like, does it hurt to get decapitated or um, does a oh. swimmer uh, sweat underwater um, why do lobsters turn orange when you cook them? Yeah. Uh, and all these kind of random questions. And it, it's it's also very boyish, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, and that's why the title is pretty good. And it's one of my favorite books that actually sparked my interest in science in general. And so it, uh, it, it made me think of that, whereas like just some, some random things that like there's no not one main theme and it's just purely for entertainment purposes. Um, so I agree. I think in general, if I would recommend books to people, they usually will have one main concept that they describe. Mm. Um, for example, the next book in the series is going to talk about like, one concept um, and, and describe everything around it. And I think those books are more likely to be recommended. Um, and this book is more entertainment than the specific knowledge. Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree with you as well. It's it tried to be funny and entertaining, um, but I never really laughed. Mm, <laughs> We've definitely. had other books that didn't try to be entertaining, but made me laugh. And this one was a bit the other way around. So it was just probably just not, not my kind of humor. Um, mm. And so, because what he also did is he tackles a question and he tries to humanize it. So he doesn't talk about the specific, you know, uh, parts. Like, let's say we're talking about um, high carbohydrates uh, intake with the, the insulin response to that. Um, like he doesn't, specifically go too deep into all the mechanisms that happen inside the body. Uh, but he tries to add on that, like a human spin where he tells a story about a person who had that um, and experienced it and, and how they managed to solve it or not solve it. And, and in the end, yeah, that, that, that's how he describes it. And so sometimes, sometimes I found these stories a bit too long. Mm. Um, and after a while I was just, I, I didn't even know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For example, there was one part that talked about the heart um, and uh, how doctors used to solve heart problems where like they were like burning parts of the heart. Mm. <laughs> and so that part, I have no clue what, what like in general, what, what they were talking about. There's just too much stories and, and yeah, too complicated, too, too much complicated stuff. Although each section was kind of interesting, there was no specific narrative and like, it wasn't like you started at the start being like, okay, we're going to talk about the appearance of people and how that relates to things. And then you're going to go into sex and then you're going to, be like how you deal with sport like there was no explanation of what the order would be or why and mm. it was just very random and you didn't know if like the next chapter was going to be a continuation of what you just listened to or if it was going to be like okay and now you're going to be going on to the next part and it was just all you just felt a bit like blind and um it would have been nice to have a bit more directionality in the whole thing i mm. guess agreed uh, a bit more structure yes but anyway, I think we can dive into the cool things that we like. So there was like lots of cool things and there's also lots of mm. things that were a bit boring. So hopefully you can just listen to all the fun stuff in this episode and you don't have to worry about the whole book. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, so uh, one thing that I learned was uh, specifically about supplements. So I'm a, so I do, I do take supplements. Um, I take creatine, HMB, beta alanine. Um, I also take vitamin D supplements. It's pretty much it. Also, whey whey isolate protein powder. It's also mm -hmm. something I take. So I, I I do take kind of kind of a lot of supplements. Uh, and so what I learned was that the distinction between supplements and drugs, or like like medical drugs, is the fact that they are approved by the uh, FDA. Mm. And so all supplements would like to be 
called drugs and be able to be prescribed, but they haven't been able to get through the FDA process, um, which means that there's no real proof that they actually work. <laughs> so yeah, I, I find it interesting because I, I um, like if you consider taking supplements, I would highly recommend the website examine.com. It's a website and they just pull all of the research on certain supplements and there you can read and find if they work, if they don't work. And so the supplements that I take uh, there, they, they say that they work, but apparently these products and supplements have not found FDA approval. And so haven't been turned into some kind of like drug that you can buy in a pharmacy. Um, and so I always thought um, first that supplements were like always legit or, or most of the time legit, which is not true. Um, and I also thought that, for example, when he talked about multivitamins, I was of the belief that if you take too, too much multivitamins, it's not a big deal because if you take too much, you'll just pee it out. Um, mm. But he, again, and I heard rumors about this, but he points to the fact that it could actually be harmful to you to take multivitamins. Yeah, no, that was an interesting chapter, definitely. I Because um, there has been a lot of, like, okay, you should be taking more vitamin d at the moment with mm. lack of sun and these things and like this, this does seem like there's a few things that probably are worthwhile if you're lacking but in general yeah you can really overdo these things and uh it was quite funny the like the whole he hates on milk for a long time of people like over supplementing on just milk for extra vitamins and calcium and things and then it's like the, mm. the leading nations in consum consumption of milk are also the ones with the highest osteoporosis which is like the mm. <laughs> i think it's supposed to be taking to stop happening yeah so true it, yeah because he also talks about like the, the egg mafia almost or the the, the egg mm. industry and all the companies that produce eggs that actually are at the basis of um lots of the stories about eggs because I, i've always I've, I've always been a big fan of eggs and i never mm. liked people uh, saying like you can only have two eggs a week because the cholesterol will you know clog your arteries and get you killed um mm. and so i i tend like on average i eat like two eggs a day or something yeah um really like them and i think they're really nutritious but <laughs> listening to the book i i realized that i might be biased because a lot of the health fads even the ones that are as benign as eating you know eggs could come from companies that are incentivized by you eating their products basically yeah definitely so there's been lots of evidence in science saying that like okay egg cholesterol is actually good and like it helps lower your cholesterol but it's basically all been funded by egg companies and, mm. and stuff so you're like oh great but yeah. it should be replicable science but it's uh it's just interesting to sort of see that maybe and not quite as healthy as some things have said, but I, I don't think that's like a bad thing, but it's just nice to kind of investigate where your information is mm -hmm. coming from a bit more. Uh, and I also think this whole discussion, any hints to that as well is like, l let's say like who should do the research on eggs? Mm. Who should be paying for that? Because um, it's not necessarily a bad thing that the, the, the that egg companies sponsor research that's, uh, research eggs because if if those that research shows that eggs are very nutritious and very healthy for you is beneficial beneficial for those companies um obviously they would they should also allow which might be different but more difficult if the research comes back negative um to 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 have that research published as well uh, but yeah i think um this whole question of who funds the research for certain things is uh, is an interesting one mm. So it's kind of nice having sort of the EU and these kind of things where they do 
friend a lot more science and stuff. It's a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. Make Brexit happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on this area on the vitamin side of things, it was it was quite interesting to hear some of the, the backstory around before they ever discovered what a vitamin was. It was more mm. like a anti scurvy thing. So like vitamin C before it was named was like the anti scurvy disease sort of medicine. And um there were other ones for different things. Uh and then I think certainly for like vegetarians it is useful to have your B vitamins and, and iron. Like I've been anemic a few times because uh, I don't take iron up very well and then if we're not eating meat then that's obviously like a, a double whammy on that. But they go through things and they which is kind of they summarize the you know that old age old adage of just eat food not too much mostly plants um having gone through the entire sort of they talk about the meat industry and like a high fiber diet being more important than too much meat and stuff and mm-hmm. that's the general conclusion yeah. i seem to get from basically any <laughs> book about what to eat mm-hmm. i've um I, i'd like to get back on that but first i, I find it interesting um I never really understood what vitamins were or what they did. Mm. Um, and so I think the, the public perception about vitamins is also pretty wrong. So the way I looked at them, what I described before, where it's like, it's something your body needs. And if you take too much, you just pee them out. Mm. It actually doesn't work that way. And so it's, it's also the case that vitamins have, like vitamin A almost has nothing to do with vitamin B and has nothing to do again with vitamin C. They're just completely different compounds yeah. um, that for some reason your body really needs. And so if your body um, doesn't have one vitamin, it can cause any like so, some kind of issue within your body. Uh, for example, if you don't take vitamin C, which they had when they were traveling the world by, um, by boats, or ships, um, you would get scurvy and you would start bleeding and, and eventually die. Um, and so that's why, why vitamin C, which was called different, uh, became you know a, a vitamin and essential for vita, which means life, um, and so that's basically what keep what what the vitamins have in common. It's just the fact that they're essential, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if you eat a shit ton of them, that is going to help you. It's just going to help you avoid that specific disease, and um, actually, it might be uh, detrimental to your health as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's some that you you do naturally pee out and it's just like really expensive pee mm-hmm. and it's just pointless <laughs> and there yeah. are others that do actually store up. So I think it, I think you can over, is it vitamin B or vitamin D? Like actually it's quite sort of toxic to have too much of, um, certainly like iron, you can have way too much iron. I had a friend that had like, um, he got some real health issues around that because he wasn't getting rid of it fast enough. And stuff and yeah, interesting yeah it um it it made me think back to our, our good old friend uh, nasim talib mm. um with his his view on anti-fragility where our body evolved in certain ways and we ate in certain ways and now you know today we try to hack that and in some ways we are managing to hack our bodies with for example going to the gym you know if you lift yeah. heavy weights um in specific movement patterns it's gonna make your bones and muscles stronger and so there we've understood, we don't really know exactly how it works, but it works. And so out of experience, we see that it works. Once we start talking about supplements, um, it, the story becomes incredibly more, much more complex. For example, um, if you're talking multivitamins, um, the, like if you consume multivitamin, the other nutrients that you consume it with are of importance. And so we don't fully understand yet. Uh, for example, if you take a multivitamin pill and you eat it with um, a bag of chips, or if you take a multivitamin pill and you eat it with a salad, if there are different effects 
to that. Mm. Um, and so there, uh, Taleb would say, like, um, it's not, it's too complex, not yet understood. So it's probably safe to fall back on the way we used to do things, which is not taking multivitamins and just eating healthy food that sustains life for so long. Yeah. More plants. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to that part, um, he, mentions it somewhere at the end that he is a vegan or a vegetarian himself. And mm. I, um, I, I myself, I'm not vegan or vegetarian. Um, and I felt that there was a bias there from his part where yeah. he was, um, he was very much in favor of the whole vegetarian um, way of life. And he was saying like plant-based is, is, is probably always the best. Um, he wasn't really in favor of meat uh, or even eggs for that part uh, or even and milk, oh. for example. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, he didn't say that don't eat eggs or don't drink milk, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a feeling I got towards the end, and then suddenly he said mm. that he was a vegetarian himself. Maybe I'm 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 biased myself because I I, I enjoy meat, and I I don't want to. Uh, there's like this cognitive dissonance where I don't want to believe in the science mm. that proves that meat is unhealthy for you. Um, yeah, maybe we should read anyway. some more books on that then. In this, ah, we should definitely, definitely, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I felt that there was a bit of bias there. Although I, I, I mean, I, I still try to eat a lot of vegetables, but I also like a steak once in a while. Anyway, that's 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 one feeling that I had that I didn't like the, the fact that I had the feeling. So I would have preferred he would ha- would have been a meat eater that would have said these things. You know, that would have made it more credible for me. Mm. Yeah, same way with like the Why Buddhism is True book. It came from a guy that's kind of like an angry person, didn't like meditation as opposed to exactly. Sort of- like, oh, I've been like a yogi since I was like yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I guess right when my next section of notes was on like probiotics, which is kind of mm, in this area yeah. of what to eat and stuff. And he just talks about like it's uh, you kind of have no idea what you're even buying off the shelf because it's pretty random the way like microbes survive in these different environments. And so you're just getting like a sort of random selection box that you're putting inside your body and yes. there's definitely possibly a bit of benefit from like yogurt and coffee and these things but it's not as much as you expect and you don't really know what it's mm-hmm. going to do and um just a bit like chaotic you just have like these random sort of seedlings you've no idea what will actually grow inside you that well and it's sort of there's so much other stuff going on or based on your genetics and these things it's a bit hard to know um mm-hmm. i think the individualized medicine stuff so if you do actually regularly get yourself sampled every month to actually see what you've got going inside you and then sort of going to eat the right specific foods to help culture stuff and you have like your genome sequence as well to see like how you react to stuff then you can actually be effective with like probiotics and food to engineer your bacteria but otherwise you basically have no idea what you're doing and um Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever's on a package is probably not true and Mm -hmm. so something like i've learned anyway around like food packaging is like i just don't like whatever's on the top of it, I just don't really listen to. It's just, I just look at what in the ingredients and what the actual nutritional information is. And like people like my mum will buy me like some healthy yogurts and I'm like, yeah, but it's sort of, okay, it's fat free, but it's still full of sugar or like the other way around. And you're like, mm. well, like, this has nothing to do with like what I actually wanted. And, or like, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's super annoying when you get people to shop for yep. you and they don't look at what they're actually buying. They just sort of go on branding. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like, oh, Sam doesn't have a lot of fat. So I, th- I don't think he'll like, like he'll probably like this fat-free yogurt. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. That made me think of one of the things he discusses as well as the, the gluten-free fad and all these kinds of fads yeah. uh, where he discusses gluten-free. And that, so basically uh, what he says in the book is that there's a very, very small percentage of people. And I think it's only one or 2% who are actually gluten intolerant, which means that they have celiac disease, which means that uh, his they, bodies uh, create like an autoimmune response the moment gluten enter uh, the colon. Mm. Um, and so that is dangerous and is a valid reason not to eat gluten. Um, but people starting to avoid gluten suddenly because it's supposed to be healthier. Um, he says that there's zero proof that this is, uh, in any way effective. Um, yeah, it's probably less effective because of, you then have to have like all the gluten free alternatives, yeah. which yeah. are often not so healthy. Like that's just, yeah, or, or more processed. yeah, yeah. And so, but, but, yeah. yeah. So as, a, as a counter argument there, I would like to raise the anti-fragile thought that mm. humans developed or evolved in a certain way, eating mostly, you know, roots, vegetables, some meat, lots of nuts and seeds, um, and that gluten only became part of our daily um, diets, let's say 10,000 years ago or so. And so human bodies evolve quite slow, and it could be that we've, fully adapted to gluten um, but i can imagine that if you avoid gluten throughout your whole life so you don't eat bread you don't eat pasta um, but you also don't try to substitute for it specifically mm. like you don't eat like fake bread or gluten-free bread you just you try to focus more on it. let's say you want to have something starchy or um, something high carb you 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 eat a potato or something i think mm. um, it's probably a healthier way of living than as long as it's not do. chips <laughs> yes yeah, yeah exactly so uh, in general i'm i'm i, I would say that m less processed better um yeah not processed best of all best yeah of definitely all. it's sort of yeah. with with most of those uh sort of any kind of extreme diet and stuff it's uh in your own home it's really good like keto or veganism or those things you can do a really good job of it when you have like all the tools to make like a really healthy version of it. But as soon as you go to like restaurants and like, it's not well equipped, like you often end up eating chips or like something that's mm. not good. And the lack of optionality can make it really hard to be healthy. Um, yeah. So True. yeah, depends on what your lifestyle is <laughs> that goes with the uh, diet that you're doing. Mm. I seem to have found. So um, I think it's already clear that <laughs> Sam and I are very interested in nutrition in general and that, I mean, personally for me, I noticed that like, these are most of my notes. <laughs> I didn't yeah. make too many notes on, on, on the other subjects, although oh. he talked about, you know, it, it, itches. Yeah, that was actually quite an interesting section. I haven't got notes on that, but it was kind of fascinating. The whole like different, um, like it was just, they just no, didn't even know what was causing an itch. It just wasn't yeah. on any normal part of your nervous system and things, but it's kind of, it's a mix of all of them, but none of them and stuff. And it's really like yes. a weird thing that happens to you. I quite like the discussion yeah. on uh, life and death. Uh, if you want to go into that, but I made some notes on that. Go ahead. Cool. So he talks about, um, there's a nice discussion about like, is life long enough, which is something mm. I've always thought, uh, humans are going to always want to live longer like no one wakes up one day and is like yes i don't want to walk up the stairs today that's that's something i don't need to be able to do with my life and that kind of thing you, you want to if you you never actually like any day-to-day -day aging that you go through but people sort of seem to think that they want to die at some point but it's just the process of what happens to your body and everything else that sort of makes you go that way but if that didn't need to happen you, you wouldn't want to die hmm. and they just go into like okay what aging is which is just uh certain cells like senescing and sort of 
basically it becomes like a whole disease across your body and actually it doesn't necessarily need to happen like lobsters technically just don't get any older their actual mm. cells and things or like the cells that are actually in your sexual organs that produce the new versions of you well that become your children they are completely healthy sort of fresh cells starting from new that there's no genetic problems mm-hmm. going on with those things and like they create like a new person that has like completely fresh organs inside it and so mm-hmm. you can technically live forever once you start um targeting these different sort of uh, actions that happen within the in the body that sort of become the what is thought of natural process of aging but mm-hmm. it's technically not required and so as leading people like Aubrey de gray who i did have on my podcast last year who was super cool who's trying to like make people live forever and just like the whole debate of whether people should live forever or like longer and what length would be a good life i kind of found kind of interesting i don't know what you feel do you think like people should live for a thousand or like a hundred years how long do you want to live for would be my immediate questions um so first point i'd like to make is i'm I'm currently reading a book called the hundred year old or the hundred year life Mm. um which is uh well i'm not that far but they um they actually make the case and they say that if uh, like a person who's born today in the west um has a 50 percent chance of reaching 110 nice um and so for you sam and I, sam and uh, sam and for myself we um have a 50 percent chance of reaching 98 to 100 yeah um and so 50 percent chance that's that's insane like 50 percent of people of our generation and and i consider us like in like the healthy part so yeah <laughs> we have a relatively good chance of making it towards like more than 100 so um anyway so that that's how crazy aging has like uh, advancing like the um yeah, so how crazy science is, is becoming at keeping people alive. Now, next question, of course, is then uh, to answer your question, because um, I, I heard that, but I might be wrong there, um, that all of the cells in your body refresh or, or, or like get recycled and, and, and mm. like every like two months or three months, you have new skin and every seven years you have new like lungs or whatever. I, I, I don't know the numbers by heart, except for the brain, I thought. Yeah, um, you, that, yeah, no, was, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, let's say that if I could press a button that would keep me in my current physical age forever, Yeah, uh, I probably do that because it gives you, you know, the optionality. If you are just sick of this life, um, you can always decide to step out of it. And mm. hopefully there's like a, a very easy, painful way to do that. That being said, um, the moral consequences of having unlimited time might be like really crazy to handle and i haven't mm. thought too much about that but my initial I, i've already thought a bit about this and i would say that given the optionality i would always go for it um, as our friend yeah. Taleb would also say always take the option you know um but um it could i mean have you seen altered carbon no oh, man you should see the first season second season horrible first season amazing and the concept is also brilliant um and but it talks and it describes pretty well what will happen if uh, once humans find a way to prolong life indefinitely and as a very very short summary not about the plot but about what how the world looks is there's like a very small elite of ultra 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 wealthy people who don't die um and they're actually almost unkillable because they have like re- replicas of their consciousness um like stored in the cloud and whatever and so uh the rest of the world is just you know scrambling around so you'll you have like a few elite who own almost like everything and they're super rich and they have like these super extravagant parties where uh, people die for their pleasure 
which makes sense oh. because I mean you you can always like get reborn so, some way, uh, but for the rest of the humans, it's it's not that nice. Anyway, um, that's altered carbon, the must watch show, especially the first season. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I would love to watch that. That's definitely my kind of thing. I yeah, I do feel sort of the same when you look at uh, Ready Player One kind of thing. Also, mm-hmm. that where our lives are going is if we can live somewhere digitally or like just do some more fantastic things is like our lives are increasingly meaningless as the wave of progression happens. So like, okay, there's less and less stamp you can make on humanity in the world. There's just more people doing less and less significant things as in, you know, if you had a good brain many years ago, you could be the person to invent like Pythagoras' theorem or like Newton. Like what if Newton was around right now, he'd be like maybe lucky to, perhaps make a difference in like the tile plating of a spacex sort of rocket like Mm. that's still pretty cool and pretty you've got to work your whole life to be the person that does that but it's not like the groundbreaking next level principles of maths that's just going to change the entire way the world works um because yeah you you just can't have that effect so much uh which is sort of sad as a human but if you can live in like a virtual reality where you can be Harry Potter or you can like be slaying dragons, like you maybe find much Sign more meaning. Me <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> if you can do that forever, like what's, what's wrong with having those lives is will be yeah. interesting. Um, I am to get back to your point. I think um, I have the feeling that with technology in unequal and inequality will always grow. Yeah. Will always keep growing just because as you said, Pythagoras, for example, he was a brilliant dude. Mm. Um, but during his lifetime, he like his knowledge and his capacity, he could only share it with like a handful of people. Yeah. Like um, back in his days, 99.9% of Greeks probably didn't knew who, who he was. Um, mm. Because, uh, and just through technology today, if you are capable, I think you are able to exponentially grow. And, and spread that capacity. If, if you're looking at education, for example, um, one of the things that a lot of companies and, and, and people are looking into is why don't we, because hey, right now a lot of classes are going on online where there's almost zero interaction between teachers and pupils because uh, mm. the, the, the students are just sitting there and with the black screen because they don't want to show their face. Um, and so the teacher is talking to their computer. And so why are we now not like paying the best teachers, let's say the best math teacher in the world, you know, millions of dollars yeah. and just having millions of school children follow that, those classes because he's yeah. going to be the, the best at, at explaining it if there's no interaction anyway. And so there, I, I, th- I think we'll see that, you know, the, the best teachers, and obviously it's not, it's not going to be one, it's going to be a few, uh, but they're going to reap all the rewards, rewards and people that are average will, you know, be left out. In a yeah, way. yeah. And then all the people that, create the technology to let like the peer interaction of self-learning so like you have like the best teacher and then besides that you just need the technology to help like the people like yeah and they have the best builder of that technology as well so it's always going to be like because of technology and the the zero marginal costs of Mm. of providing services with technology it's going to be like equality is going to grow yeah but um I, i have the feeling we straight off our you know yeah <laughs> death topic uh, but it's definitely yes where the world's going but it's it's fine yeah it's interesting yeah, i think true. uh i back to the aging and death thing like, there was a few one point like i really liked uh so it says that we don't fear missing out on the years before our birth so no one fears like 
the age 12, 15, that they weren't around in that time. Mm. Even though like, it might have been scary to actually have been there. But we, we fear death. The reason we fear death is that we, we fear a world without ourselves in it. And we fear the mm. world going on without us. And that I thought was like really cool and interesting and just sort of slightly absurd and stupid when you realize it, but just nice to be like, yes, what's wrong? Well, uh, I, I would make a counter argument there because there's a difference between the years before your life and the years after. And, and, mm. and that is, I think, just relationships. Yeah. You know, let's say that um, I have a kid or, you know, grandchildren, you're, you're like 70 years old, um, you have some kind of terminal disease and your grandkids are just like learning how to walk. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's quite normal that you're going to fear to miss those years because you've already, like you have an investment, there's people you know. Um, and so there I can understand that uh, there's some fear. And uh, at least <laughs> I can understand that there's more fear there than there is for a time where you weren't born. And, and so you didn't know anyone sex except your parents, which are <laughs> mm. younger in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I had this discussion recently with my girlfriend as well that um, the like death is a very weird concept and with most people provokes sadness if someone passes. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't have to, I guess. Like there's ways I think um, how you can uh, I don't know feel non-sadness, not necessarily happiness, but contentment. I, I guess with it, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Is and being dead is there's nothing wrong with being dead. It's like a it's a it's a nothing thing. Yeah. So it's not that sad for the person, and you can kind of be grateful that like they were in your life and you got to know mm. this nice person. And okay, it's sad that you can't speak to them anymore, but you can still think about okay what how would they what would they tell you to do in these circumstances and you can still carry some of their personality with you in that sense uh mm-hmm. which is nice and mm-hmm. certainly the whole like just being sad about it is, is, is like a massive waste of time as in okay if that person loved you because they're close to you then the last thing they're going to want you to do for the next like year of your life is be sad and mopey and useless like they wouldn't mm-hmm. want you to go and smash it and live your best life and be super happy. So mm-hmm. probably go and do that. It's uh, mm-hmm. yes, logic wise. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Sort of silly. Yeah. That's All right. My thoughts. Uh, I guess, I mean, we've been going a bit long, but like the one mm-hmm. other area I found really interesting was uh, the whole area of like sex and sexual uh, parts and how we talk about it and stuff. So I don't know if you made any notes on this, but I made a few notes. Go ahead. Share okay, them. Okay. So, Firstly, on like maleness, as in, I think on both sides, we do perform to like stereotypes based on the expectations of society. But this means that men are worse at asking for help. And so we're much more likely to lose friends along the way and also suffer health issues from not going to the doctors, Mm. which leads to like a double whammy on like one of the reasons why men have a shorter life expectancy is actually that we. We don't ask for help as much from doctors and things. So we're more likely to have like a medical problem and Mm -hmm. we just don't get the mental health support either from our friends. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about our feelings. We're not sort of expected to talk about our feelings or say these things. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we're much more likely to just commit suicide. Whereas Mm -hmm. women, yeah, they're they're four times less likely or five times less likely to uh, commit suicide or. Or die by committing suicide. Yeah. Yeah. They just sort of, they they seem more like emotional and down about things, but they probably have just as much negative emotion. They just sort of express it and, and, and then get it solved. Whereas men just hold it inside them and it kind of eats away at us. So that was mm-hmm. a thing, which. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it spoke to me 
I think mm. uh, that part because it's, it's, I mean, I've realized that I'm very bad at uh, sharing emotions and especially I'm very bad at being vulnerable. Yes. I just cannot be vulnerable and it's really bad. And my, my girlfriend always says like, oh, it's okay. But I'm like, yeah, for some reason, I don't know why. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> I don't like being vulnerable. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, but it's a, it's a very powerful thing. And it actually, when you can do it in the right way, it is quite manly because it shows that you're comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and actually able mm-hmm. to sort of say these things. So, mm-hmm. so maybe we could read some books on vulnerability. Actually, I, I think <laughs> that would be something that would help me a lot. It's, um, it's indeed reading books on that and uh, then obviously trying to use that in, in, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, a, that's an area. Of interest, that's yeah. but they want to unpack uh, uh, the book the book is sparking some interesting conversations it's uh surprising mm. <laughs> yeah i think it would have been much better as a podcast of like to um actually kind of just go and spark like a bit deeper into these things and talk interesting stuff mm. uh then there's a whole just area of like oh actually similar on this section of vulnerability of women who can talk about what makes sex work for them are eight times more likely to be happier in their relationship. Mm. So again, eight times. being able That's to be crazy. vulnerable with your partner and actually just say things is uh, yeah. pretty big. And I, I don't know about you, but personally, like people that you don't really have like that much report with on sort of and when they end up having sex, it's like, it's just not as good. So I, I've never really been that into like one night stands and stuff. Cause I'm just like, it's just mm. kind of weird. Whereas mm-hmm. people that I can make laugh, it's like, it just doesn't matter if something goes wrong. So we just carry on laughing about it and then you work it out and like, then everything's mm-hmm. fine. And like mm-hmm. nothing ever really goes wrong, wrong. And so, yeah, I just find it odd that people can't actually or go for the relationships where they can't actually ever express themselves and talk about these things because it's kind of like the essential part, like I'd have mm-hmm. assumed. Yeah. I've noticed that there is like a disparity be- between what your, at least mine, you know, I, 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 I feel, and I think that, uh, that a lot of men have this, there's like a draw, you're, you're drawn to, women or mates that you haven't had sex with Mm. in a way, you know, because, you know, we have evolved to be um, like, if you were able to spread, exactly to spread your genes, have sex with more different women then um, I mean, that's, that's a trait that was passed on through the generations. So there, I I agree that for some reason, so men, we still are drawn towards new. um, And that's why also like pornography is so popular. You know, we want to have, sex with as much women as many women as possible but on the other hand you're absolutely right that um sex with one person with open communication is probably the best thing that like the best sex you can have so yeah there's a there's an i yeah there's a big difference there yeah no, exactly just being happy in your relationship is pretty cool so investing in well not being a man about it and being like a vulnerable, like, Oh, is this what works for you? And making the other lady feel comfortable about talking about what works best is, is mm-hmm. going to make the person much happier, more satisfied than assuming that you're the best person at sex ever. And that you're going to nail it the first time because you're probably not. And yep. everyone's kind of different because uh, people go into yeah. about uniqueness. And also like, like I was saying about like, the way they did this could have like been better, like narrated as in like what you spoke about as in the men, Wanted to be Gene's brothers, like links perfectly into a different chapter that wasn't linked at all in the book about the penis having the bulbous sort of end, and that mm. sex, like compared to sort of lions or some animals, where it's like three thrusts, 
takes sort of 20 seconds done yeah it's like okay it's this requires quite a lot of thrusting and which was evolved to uh pull semen out of the vaginal canal to make it more likely that you're going to be the dad because of mm-hmm. the other person's semen is no longer in there which mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. relates directly to yeah trying to spread your genes and stop other mm-hmm. people from... opportunity missed clearly yeah. anyway but that was an interesting segment as well other things and then just like just general why things are the way they are was kind of interesting so uh apparently one of the most popular things on the internet is just searching for penis size and in case you didn't know the average penis size is 5.1 inches which uh i feel i thought it was bigger so Mm -hmm. that's kind of good news uh (laughs) but then people don't know at all this is one of the things i talk about is that people have very little awareness of like what a clitoris is or how big it is Mm. and i feel like i've learned this and forgotten it because it's not just like the uh the bit on the outside it's it's like it goes inside and it's much longer and it's actually i think it's like three centimeters unerected and can go to like seven eight centimeters on average erected and it kind of grows and there's actually like a whole part inside that is technically the clitoris and i was like oh well there we go yes that's some information new yeah uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah like and plenty of women don't even know much about this because we all we learn about is like penises mostly and um mm-hmm. seems a bit wrong there we go mm. clitoris pretty big yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool uh with that said i think it's a uh, perfect notes to end the the episode on and uh maybe yeah, there, go into ratings. two more points uh, on the two slides. more points yeah so well i'm not sure one talks about like the rise in porn and the way that's sort of che- affecting our stereotypes of what a body should look like and sort of mm. women like suddenly getting a lot more hair removal to fix that. But then you can suddenly see the labia a lot more. And so there's like this huge rise in surgeries to sort of mm. change what they are like, which is just an interesting fact and kind of absurd of why we're changing ourselves so much compared to mm. what it used to be. And then also found the way like the stereotypes of what boob size people want interesting so men generally prefer larger busts because of it can be a sign of fertility and mm-hmm. on the whole gender of like okay wanting to have as many children as possible women with like big busts are probably going to have more children for you uh, we think even though it's kind of actually not at all true mm-hmm. uh, but also studies have shown that it can be very random based on just how hungry a man is at the time uh, as mm. in like physically hungry like wanting a biscuit but <laughs> it's the boobs but also like two big boobs sort of then indicates sort of that maybe the person is pregnant and stuff so like actually people with mm. that is kind of off-putting or maybe actually have back problems because the boobs hurt them and stuff and it's uh just i think talking about bodies and sizes and shapes and stuff is always kind of interesting so i found it interesting mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there we go filled in on that and um cool now we can go to reviews. Go ahead. So Ready. I gave it a four because it, it was lots of interesting stuff. But as we spent the whole first 10 minutes complaining about it, it just, yeah, was a bit unordered and scattered. And mm-hmm. like I had to really make notes on all of these things. Like I've basically forgotten anything I didn't make a note on. And it just mm-hmm. it wasn't tied together. And yeah, I think if I'd read the book without doing this podcast on it, like I'd i'd be like yeah you you learned some stuff apart from i can't tell you what any of it was <laughs> yeah true yeah all right fully agree i um i was also going to give it a four uh, for the exact same reasons i think um it's it's a it's a nice book 
it's fun to read. And I think, because I felt like some of the things or many of the things actually already kind of new. Uh, so I didn't learn that many new yeah. things because I'm already quite interested into health and stuff. So if you're new to it, I think you might take out a lot. But in general, it didn't really make me wiser. So it didn't like give me a new way to look at the world. It just gave me some nuggets, some facts. Um, the only like thing that I can take with me is more about you know the question of who sponsors the research, um, what will might influence like the way I look at new insights in health, for example. But uh, apart from that, not many crazy things. All right. So that rounds up this episode. Um, for the next episode, we will be reading the book, uh, Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams, written by Matthew Walker. Uh, so it's going to be completely different. It's going to focus more on sleep on one topic. And so hopefully uh, that's going to be interesting. So um, looking forward to that and speak to you then. Bye. Thanks, Takei. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a rating and share with your friends. If you'd like to ask us a question or give us a comment, feel free to join us on Reason. Reason is Sam's startup that is building a social podcasting app. It is a place where Sam and I listen to podcasts and share ideas and insights. It'd be great if you would hang out with us there. Thanks again and speak to you in the next episode. Cheers.